Before we get into the show, I wanted to let you guys know about podcasts on Spotify. If you didn't know, you could listen to the Ringer NBA show on Spotify. I've been a Spotify listener for probably five or six years whenever they kind of opened it up to the premium services. And I've recently started to migrate over to their podcasts uh, on that platform. It's really easy to use. I looked something up just the other day and I got right to my favorite shows, including the Ringer NBA show. While we're here, State Farm has over 19,000 agents across the country. 19,000 is a huge number, but it's not really about the number. It's about having a real person who's nearby, someone you could talk to and get personalized help protecting what matters most. Combining the purchase of your home and auto insurance is easy with the help of a real-life State Farm agent. Go to statefarm.com agent to find an agent today. Basketball is very good. Jimmy Butler is actually a good teammate. Savanis is the most important front court pacer. De'Aaron Fox is better than Donovan Mitchell. Basketball is very good. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. This is the group chat. Paolo, hit it. What's up? No, it's group chat. Oh, no, I can't do that. All right. Well, that's That's Paolo Getty. Chat. And that's Haley O'Shaughnessy. Yeah, yeah, I can't stop that. Anytime you do that, I always think of um, Blues Clues. The Merrill. <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day. Wow, Blues Clues is a deep cut. I love Blues Clues. It was great. What, mailman Steve? Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Day. Hey, guys. Um, just spreading the love via via hoops talk here. Have you guys seen some some cool uh, Valentine's Day cards that NBA teams are sending out via social media? I saw one today about Kevin Knox that was put in our NBA Slack. Did you see this one? Yes, I it did was, not. It was Knox Knox be my Valentine, which is not actually how that no, works. It's Knox Knox, it's your Valentine. That's a little creepy. That's that's just great. A lot, of, a lot of good memeing going on in the NBA world. Uh, but we are here to talk about hardcore hoops, guys. We're going to grind some tape. We're going to get into the particulars. Let's go. Uh, later in the show, we're going to get into some, some Lakers talk. We're going to do our own version of a True Detective after show where we're going to get into the flat Lakers. But first, we're going to get into some news. Uh, you know, we're kind of in that dead zone in the NBA where it's like we're kind of after the deadline, right before All-Star. Everyone's kind of checking out right now. But I think there's some really interesting stuff going on kind of underneath the surface. Uh, we're going to cruise through some some recent headlines based on t- last night's action. I call it taking news. I like it. Which it's the news, but just based around a take and take form. Oh. It's really creative, guys. That's great. Um, <laughs> the first one, this one comes... Maybe we could get ads for that. We should. Yeah. Anyone want to sponsor take that? Five. Isn't take five a candy? <sighs> this is great. Like guys, this yeah, is a great synergy. Great synergy. Uh, first one. This one comes via Dwayne Wade. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Uh, I'll start pretty good. Uh, his take is that Luca is the next LeBron. Last night, the Dallas Mavericks and the Miami Heat played for the last time that Dwayne Wade was going to be in that game, uh, or at least was going to be active, I guess. I don't think he ended up playing. Uh, but Tim Cato from The Athletic had this quote uh, from Wade after the game. Quote me right here where I say this. It's LeBron James-like from the standpoint of how he's able to rope that pass to shooters in the corner, getting blitz. He's talking about Luka Doncic, by the way. Uh, there's not many guys who could do that and put it right there. He's done an amazing job of it. Luka, the next LeBron. What do you think, Paula? He should First have of gotten all, his jersey, too. Yeah, he should. No, he had to get Dirks. It was, come on. He had two yeah. jerseys. Well, sure. uh, Luka has... LeBron's right. right. Remember we yeah, witnessed yeah. when we were there for the Laker game. LeBron sent out a jersey of his jersey sign to give to Lucas. So maybe LeBron can trade with Wade 
and send a couple picks and get the jersey back. And then eventually <laughs> oh, in the future gosh. when he's Luca's teammate, yeah. he can just trade there jerseys with him then. I just want right. to say I love the old schoolness of this. I think Wade is going to be the last player we have who is going to utter the phrase quote me right here when I say this like players do not say that anymore <laughs> well also you're like, always being quoted because all of this yeah, is just exactly. going straight to social media but I just I just love that he like had to emphasize like quote me right here mm-hmm. what do we think though Haley Luca uh, next LeBron I mean, you can see it with the passing Luca has this vision and kind of this maturity already to where when we see him to have those kind of passes that Wade's talking about which he's been on the receiving end for many years with LeBron it's not necessarily that he's just I can't believe he's a rookie making that pass. It's just that I can't believe he's making that pass. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like a level of understanding. I think that's always blown us away with LeBron. It's not the most exciting part of his game, but it maybe is the most impressive that he can read what's going to happen before anyone else even knows that it's going to happen. I think, And the same is, that's the same, I think, quality that Luke has. I think the interesting thing is Wade specifically pointing out the passing because you know, from LeBron, from the LeBron standpoint, like there is passing combined with like great athletic performance mm-hmm. and Luca is definitely not there yet. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. And maybe this is just like a more praise toward LeBron that he can combine that athletic performance with also the passing. But I think, I do think we might see versions of LeBron in different players going forward. Like maybe Luca will have the passing and maybe Zion will have the like athletic ability or, you know what right. I'm saying? Like, yep. I think there's going to be pieces of him. Uh, yeah. I, the thing I see in Luca uh, that's LeBron esque is just the way that he uses his body and the, the pace that he plays at LeBron can play fast, but he's always kind of playing at LeBron's pace, especially in these last couple of years of, of his, like his career where he's actually just slowing things down and wanting to conserve energy. Luca just kind of, I don't know. I, I don't even know how to describe it. He just kind of uses his body in weird ways. He's, he's like, he's thick with two C's, kind sure. of like LeBron has always been, and is able to leverage that and also his kind of uncanny vision to kind of hit guys. He's good at contorting court. in a way where yeah. he still keeps balance. And it's interesting you say that because LeBron's body is obviously so different than Luca's, but they do use it in similar ways. Yeah. I mean, like that highlight earlier this week where he is dribbling one way and goes underneath like I don't even know what to call that like kind of like a hesitation underneath his legs and then pulled up for a fadeaway jumper it's when like I a- wrote about Luca earlier this year I said that it, it's like watching someone who's really bad at driving a stick shift <laughs> sure you know and like that's always yes. what he reminds me of he's so herky-jerky and yeah. a lot of times that's exactly how he's able to break away from defenders that he might not be able to because he's a little slower mm-hmm. he'll lean so much to the right before yeah. he goes left and it's incredible he can do it because he doesn't yeah. look like the most athletic guy I yeah. think my my thing would be that he's more he's more the next Harden than he is the next LeBron. Yeah, for sure. And obviously the step backs are a big part of that. Yeah. But I don't know. I see a lot of LeBron in him, a little bit of Ben Simmons. I guess Simmons yeah. is the obvious LeBron comp, but I don't know. I guess it's just that like that big man passing thing that we don't really see from anybody else. I guess Blake Griffin was yeah. the the Come model the T handling, right? of of the LeBron like model. In that regard, yeah. Just a guy who can handle, who could pass from yeah. that side. I guess the only other one that we think of is Jokic. Jokic, yeah, Jokic is is basically Sabonis. What? No, no. I, I mean, I would not put Jokic in that like realm. As a great if you passer, will. who's a big guy? Oh, as a great passer, who's a big guy? Yeah, but if we're talking about like the handling, combining that with the handling. Oh, I, yeah, uh, no, I, I meant like passing. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm curious to see where Luca stands in terms of like when Zion gets into the league. Yeah, like do we automatically just like lose our Luca love fest because Zion is just Luca plus like Larry Johnson? No, the backlash we don't. will come. The we backlash don't. will come. It comes for everybody. It comes for everybody. <laughs> Unless he says something problematic. <laughs> I, I'm involved. just. Saying, it, who hasn't it come for? Like Giannis is probably the only guy who's like been safe from, and even him. Like there's people out there who are like, oh well, he doesn't shoot threes. Mm-hmm. So, well, the thing with Luca, I'm curious about uh, is just more like how much he appeals to like a broader audience. I think every like hardcore NBA fan loves him. And he's also has like a really adorable a personality, I think, like with all his Fortnite like skins that he's talking he about. He dresses and, like he's like going to like a high school, like sweet 16 birthday party or something. Like, <laughs> right. He really does. Right. Really he's cool. on Fairfax going to like Supreme like after yeah. games. After, um, But yeah, I'm just, I'm just curious if like Zion becomes like instantly the next like face of the league whereas Luca is maybe just like a better overall player. I don't know. It's, it's just going to be something curious to watch. Uh, from Luka Doncic to I don't know the American Luka Doncic our guy <laughs> our guy Jake Lehman very this, low rent American this take rent. is from uh, a good friend of ours one Chris Ryan I don't know if you guys have heard of him uh, Jake Lehman is the best player in the NBA I don't know if you saw our guy Lay last night <laughs> he's pretty good uh, I've called him the new Rudy Fernandez I don't know if you guys were yeah were deep in the sure. NBA but yeah Rudy Portland Fernand- legend Portland <laughs> legend <laughs> just like had all of these like really exciting dunks and uh, was kind of I'm trying to think of the modern equivalent of who he is. Um, so last night I was looking up his final line, Jake mm-hmm. Layman's, and I found this CBS headline that says Jake Layman standard league relevance continues. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sounds about right. I think I made a joke like last week, and he was like, he had a good game where I was like, he should be like the Mendoza line is for baseball for NBA players because like if you're above it, you're like it's like sign you're good, and it's like he is like the ultimate threshold. If if you're better, if you're good, if you're better than Jake Lehman, you're good. And if you're worse than Jake Lehman, you're bad. Would you call him the ultimate wing? There you go. <laughs> no, no, the ultimate layman. That's what I would call him. The ultimate. No, that's good. There you go. Yeah. See? But last night the the Blazers took it to the uh, to the Warriors late in that game. I mean, they they just took off as soon as like yeah. things started getting chippy. I think it was good to see the Blazers actually like win one of these games. It feels like they never win those like Warriors games in the regular season because like the Warriors have just come out of nowhere in the third or the fourth quarter and like all right like here we'll put a stop to this or whatever mm-hmm. and they just went cold and i like looking at the standings like the blazers are now in the top four like they're they've been there but like staying above the rockets i feel like is very important to keep that um home field i mean home court advantage for the yeah. first round at least i i'm encouraged by what i saw there and the two things i took away from her one that they're not going to be afraid of anybody there are a lot of guys in that team that like won't back down like yeah. Lillard so Col- and now they're about to get Ennis Cantor too exactly he <laughs> right. like totally helps that do you guys remember at the beginning of last season when Nurkic was like we're the bad boys oh yeah we, we gotta lean into being the bad boys okay last night you can kind of see the vision they have enough spread sure. out you know Lillard always has a chip on his shoulder yeah uh, Nurkic is constantly you know like kind of wants yeah. to be that like big bully CJ guy has Ennis pod. Cantor has mm-hmm. An attitude against everyone he plays, talk yeah. shit to LeBron. You know, <laughs> I also think something somebody pointed this out. Like Zach Collins was playing the way he was playing because Cantor might take some of his minutes now that he's in there. So that'll be interesting to see too. Yeah, and, and the other thing I thought about with them is they're just super deep now. They got Rodney Hood also at the yes. trade deadline, who's a guy I've never been the biggest Rodney Hood fan. But like, if he plays more like Utah Rodney Hood and not like Cleveland Rodney Hood, I think that's somebody. They're iffy deep. Yeah, but then like even like Mo Harkless, like he blocked Clay Thompson for a three in the corner, and I was like, "Whoa, Mo like, Harkless!" I will maybe say, for some, maybe for most games, but like I wouldn't call them like 
deep, deep. Yeah, I mean, I will say one of the things with this team has always been that their first, you know, five or six guys are, are good enough to be a, like a really good team. And then after that, it's a huge drop off. Like they had Stauskas like playing meaningful minutes for them. No disrespect to him. Uh, well, a little disrespect. Yeah, <laughs> meaningful minutes at the early part of the season. And it was going great. I remember like we wrote a piece about how they were like gelling and how like they just had continuity. But then you oh, started to see. We wrote a piece or? Did you write a piece? Did, or write or a did piece? we write? I, <laughs> <laughs> sure, I mean, I, the collective ringer universe. There you go. Sure. Um, and then you started to see them fall off a bit in terms of just they just can't keep up. It's, it's a little bit like the Wizards of a few years ago were like. The starters were so good, and yeah, the bench is not. Well, it's almost like a fraction of the starters are so good, right? Like that. Well, same with the Wizards. Yeah, like that's always yeah, been said about right. you know the backcourt, but then they're like, well, they've got to do something, and that's always been the question of like, should they trade one of them yeah. to try to even it out more? I think there was a rumor, and I would have to look it up to look at the specifics where they were where they tried to get Paul George from Indiana, and like mm-hmm. almost did, which would have been very interesting. Yeah, that's a great what if. I mean, but. As we're saying, I think our guy Jake is kind of the inflection point with this team. Uh, I looked this up. He is second in field goal percentage right now among non-bigs. So not a center or, or a Did forward. you look at who's first? I did. Oh, well, amongst non-bigs? Yeah. Do you guys know? Like, can you get, Do you know who it is already? I looked it up. Paolo, Wait, can you what? guess? So, so not a big man. He leads the league in, in field in, goal percentage. field goal percentage? He plays like a big man, I guess. Uh, ben Simmons? Yeah. Okay. Ben Simmons. All right. Oh, no. Who'd I thought see? it's Jeremy Grant and Rudy Gay. <laughs> oh, this is like, well, Lehman doesn't qualify because he only takes like shot, uh, six shots a game. <laughs> oh. I, sh- I should mention that. <laughs> Amazing. But I, our guy is Jordan struggling against the Warriors. Yeah, I, he did the LeBron push down thingy, which yeah. I don't really know what that means, but he needs to, he needs to like either lose that or improve no. it because he's like half hearted doing the LeBron thing. It looks so lame. Do you know how like Mega Man takes someone's like like power and just sure. a, a, yeah, guys, just go with me. That's the layman. He does your move against you. Oh. <laughs> Except he wasn't even playing LeBron. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. One day. He's eclectic. Um, but I don't know. I'm I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing about the Blazers. It's always good to see the Blazers show something because I, I just throw them into this like kind of middle ground where I don't know, really yeah. know what to do with them because they're always this ham team. Does it really matter to you if they show something at this point in the season, though? Probably Think not. about last season. You right. know? They're just like always fool's gold to me. Yeah, and this was the last game right before the All-Star break for both teams, I think. So we'll see. But another team I'm a little encouraged about after last night, our own Minnesota Wolves. Who's Minnesota? <laughs> well, someone, someone out there, some, some very sad people. Uh, they beat the Rockets last night. They're, so the past two wins uh, against the Zombie Clippers and the Rockets, coincidentally, one Andrew Wiggins did not play. I call this the mellow theory. It was when sure. your worst player doesn't play and you're all of a sudden better. Uh, wow, what do we think great. about them? They're 27 and 30 right now, three and a half games back of the Clippers for the AC. They only have a 9% chance. Uh, according to 538, do you guys think they have any shot of getting back in the mix here? Uh, no. The only way <laughs> the Wolves are going to stay in any kind of race is by identifying who their best defenders are. And that's obviously very limited. I think that, you know, and Robert Covington has no timetable. So that's discouraging. But, I mean, if you want to look at any straight difference between Wiggins being out and Luol Deng starting his place, is it's, he's going to try on defense. Mm-hmm. I looked it up yesterday. Luol had eight rebounds, four assists, two blocks. That's those are all higher than Wiggins' averages, I'm and glad- they absolutely should not be. A guy paid the max should not at least be averaging one of eight rebounds, four assists, or two blocks. And also, last night Teague was very good in the game, and that's uncommon. That's you're not going to get that all the time. Even the guys who you've brought in, Dario Saric, 
it's hard to keep him on the court because that means you're probably taking Taj off the court, which is taking off like their entire defensive yeah. core, basically. I guess my thing with them is, you know, we can talk about their defense and Kat is looking better, but if they were to like be real with themselves and zoom out, it's like the West race is way too crowded already. And they could easily get a top six draft pick if they started, you know, losing right now. I think they're like within four or five games of that six um, pick. And it's like, why why not? It's get an odd another place that nice in because they have an interim coach. They have an interim front office, essentially. So sure. I think that's why they're really in, like inactive at the trade deadline, because they don't really have an established direction. You know, if they yeah. make a move that doesn't work out, he's. These aren't permanent positions, right. but they could be. Yeah. It's what they were saying when they uh, let go of Thibodeau. Yeah. I think at a certain point, a tanking team like this just needs to put their foot in the ground and just say, we need to like figure out what we have. They have so many young guys. Their team is based around two it's max true. guys who really haven't proven to be max guys. And the one thing I've liked from Ryan Saunders, who's what, all 32 years old, trying yeah. to coach a bunch of guys uh, where Luol Deng, your starter, is probably older than him, uh, is he's trying a lot of different things, like trying to put Luol Deng, like unearthing him from literally like the depths of the bench. And starting him in a game. Started Sarge too at one point. Starting Sarge over Taj Gibson. That's a big one. Josh Akogi starts. And yeah. as we've seen, Josh Akogi rules. Yeah. He uh he had that nice block on Harden kind of uh when Harden went for a step back and at the top of the perimeter. That's one of the biggest frustrations from when Thibodeau was coaching. He very much was never somebody who would give a Josh Akogi a chance, even when he did yeah. show when he was forced to because of injuries or, you know, having a um shorter rotation that night and he was forced to and Akogi would play up to it. He never really was somebody who would give the young guys a chance, which is really awful in retrospect because they are just a young team. And when you think about if it would have been different and maybe someone else would have been in there and they would have had Krista and they would have had Zach Levine, even Tyus Jones, maybe things would have been a little bit different for them and they wouldn't have had felt so locked into the contracts that they've signed now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. There's a version of this team that's young and fun and has a bunch of you know, wait and see, but also like stars like Cat in the making. And I think we we could have had that version and, and yet it was, you know, it was right, they're still so young, but we don't even think of them as right, we don't exactly. throw them in with the young teams. Yeah, exactly. So Well, I, I think the one thing is like the the whole Tibbs losing him mid season was just addition by subtraction. Like you get sure. to see these guy play a little looser. You get to see what you have in Ryan Saunders. Uh, and I'm also curious, like, if it's just like they're going to be better on defense simply because they're not running Tibbs' system. Like, so many coaches I talked to and, and like league personnel types for that uh, defense story I did earlier in the season were just like, Tibbs doesn't know what he's doing anymore. He's like, he's sticking to this icing scheme and it's just, it doesn't fit what everybody else is doing. And it doesn't matter how you're deploying or like who you play in that system, it's just not going to work. And I think, I've, I don't think it's a coincidence that we've seen guys like Josh Akogi. Uh, Robert Covington, when he got into yeah. the mix, was good. And so if there is any hope for them going forward, which is minimal, as we've been saying, I do think if they get Covington back healthy and maybe mitigate the Wiggins contributions, I think there's like a nice sweet spot to, yeah. at the very least, go into next season with some encouragement. Yeah, I was going to say that they have the pieces. Like they have a, a few, more than a few young guys who are very, who could be very, very good. Um, and I think that what you would want is something like the Kings are having this year where you go into next season with that young group of players and have that improvement that you, that they, that the Kings are having. They just already piled on expectations that, yeah, that fast forwarded this development of this team's core. And even though 
the reason those were fast forwarded, Jimmy Butler is gone. They kind of still remain with the team. Yeah. That's well, fair. pivoting to a team that probably uh, is already a safe bet to make the playoffs here and maybe even get the one or two seed, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Isaiah Thomas makes his triumphant debut in a Nuggets uniform last night. Uh, eight points on three for six shooting, two assists, two turnovers in 13 minutes. Uh, they won against the Kings. It was a pretty fun game. If you watched uh, the take, Paolo, Isaiah Thomas will be the most impactful post-deadline addition in the NBA. So we're we're talking about guys who are already kind of on teams that will be like a second-half boost. Because sure. the other day, Bill was talking about uh, with KOC, just Gordon Hayward, like a healthy version of him. Right. Would be like a deadline edition. Yeah. Isaiah Thomas. Is he another guy like that? I don't really think I buy the premise of like somebody already on the team being like some sort of addition. I get that like guys can improve over the course of a season. And with Hayward specifically, it's one of those things where he just needs to get more playing time and get more comfortable. So that makes sense. Um, with Isaiah specifically, I don't know. My thinking is he'll be more impactful from an energy and like motivation standpoint rather than a actual statistical standpoint he's a weird type of player and energy to where you're not sure if he would actually be something in the playoffs but he's shown that he has been before yeah something where it doesn't make sense you know between like his play style and the opponents he's going up against yet somehow it is working out I mean that was like basically his entire story with the Celtics right and with the Nuggets, they actually might need something like that because yeah. although they have all these guards, they have Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Malik Bleasy, Will Barton, uh, Morris. A lot of them have never been to the playoffs before. Right. Yeah. And I th- so they might get into a situation where being able to fall back on him yeah. is very fortunate. That's right. I think that he could be their DeMarcus Cousins, if only from like an emotional standpoint. Like you've gotten to the point of the season where we kind of know who they are. They're, right. a vet, they're mostly a young veteran team who's proven themselves. So what's like the next thing that's going to motivate them over the course of like the last what, however many games, 30 games? Uh, I just think like having that energy to throw in there is really valuable. And I also think to Haley's point, like I'm looking at their bench right now and yeah, they've had a, a bunch of injuries, but like who's coming off that's going to kind of like jolt them at this point? I yeah. think that's I think that, that's valuable to a certain extent. I mean, maybe we don't think of those guys as such because they're younger, like the Monte Morris or the Malik Beasleys. And I think that their guard rotation is so packed with players who have out, you know, gained their expectations that you, from like a logistical standpoint, you look at it and you're like, where is Isaiah going to fit? But I think maybe to Haley's point, you know, you're right. Like he could be that guy who extends the leads in the second quarter with the bench unit or in the fourth quarter, you know, going into going into uh, like the game is tied, for example. Like I could see him, you know, going off for like five or six points like he did last night. And so I think He's that would that be that random spark. Before. Yeah. That was like and and it's and for him, it's his year for him. It's Boston. for him. It's kind of like the perfect situation, too. He, he doesn't really have that much expectations. He doesn't have to play a huge role. Well, the other guy that I'm worried about with Denver is Jamal Murray. Like, I just don't know on a game-to-game level, like, what I'm getting from him. And to that point, like, he had 10 points in a game against the Kings who don't have a great defense. And it's just like, where are you, guy? And he's kind of the guy. We had a piece from DJ Foster on the ringer earlier this season. Like, he's kind of the one that needs to uh, kind of step forward in order for them to have any shot in the playoffs because he's going to be up against a lot of the good guards in the Western Conference. And uh, I think he's just, like, that second guy that they need if Jokic isn't going to be on. Uh, This takes me to our last one here, uh, just because it's always interesting, I think, because Murray got taken after Buddy Heald, 
in the draft a couple of years ago. I was in New Orleans. I was a big Buddy Heald uh, pessimist, sure. let's just say. And <laughs> yeah. definitely in that first half of the season, he was not good at all. I used to say it was like, he was dribbling. It looked like he was trying to avoid a minefield because he just didn't know where he was going. Uh, but they played last night and Buddy was kind of spectacular. And I got to the point where I was like, all right, I can't knock this guy anymore. He's like really, really good. Yeah. So the take is Buddy Heald will have a better career than Jamal Murray. Uh, I've always loved Buddy Heald. I was the opposite. But I think that now their draft order doesn't matter as much as in context as the expectations that are going to be put on them. Mm -hmm. So when you think about it, we have already identified Jamal Murray as the guy that needs to step up for the Nuggets to be able to take it to the next level. Buddy Heald is a guy who was coming off the bench last year. Mm -hmm. He yeah. got moved to the bench. He was a, someone who, you know, the coaching staff was saying, this guy is better coming off the bench. You know, he's he was even shooting really well last year, but that was still the case for him. And now all of a sudden you can see that he's this really amazing off guard who can perform this job very well. That's kind of almost like a more it's it's it is more minimalist um and not as much pressure as a point guard. Do you know what he's shooting from three this year? He's shooting forty five percent from three. <sighs> 45% on, on volume on, on a career high 7.6 attempts. Right. And if you're like, doing that crazy. during the season, expected to be like, like a really good sixth man, yeah. then your expectations have already shot up. And right. Also, there's the context of their teams. Right. The Nuggets were already supposed to be good. The Kings were not supposed to be good. Also, it's a context of the roster too because the Murray has to be more of a playmaker more or less with the Nuggets than Buddy who just has to be this guy next to De'Aaron Fox and take open shots. Yeah. The one thing I saw last night is Buddy is just super confident. Yeah. Like he had that one play toward the end of the game where he they didn't call a timeout. I think they were down two or something and he just ran it down their throat and then got to the rim which I, I rarely see from sure. Buddy. And I was just like, man, he thinks he's the best guy in the court. And I often think like it was probably better for him to leave New Orleans, which is, wasn't a high profile situation, obviously, but they needed him for a very specific role, like immediately. He needed to hit threes for them to have any chance yeah. of making the playoffs that year. And they didn't. They ended up trading for Cousins and then it went a whole different direction. But being able to hide in Sacramento, I think has almost like allowed him to regain his confidence that maybe he lost when he struggled early on because he wasn't shooting until I would say midway through his rookie year. Yeah. And it says so much about Sacramento that he's like, quote unquote, got to hide there because he did and he got to regrow whatever he was going to be in this league. But at the same time, when he got traded there, the owner was basically like, he's going to be the next Steph Curry. I mean... Look and at the numbers. <laughs> Look at the numbers. <laughs> All right. We're going to go deep on the Lakers here in the second part of the show. But first, I want to talk about the watch of the night, guys. It's a big one. OKC at New Orleans right before the All-Star break. Uh, this was going to be a pretty exciting game just in terms of gameplay. Uh, just Anthony Davis going up against some of the Thunder guys, Paul George for MVP. But I think the sideshow of this one is particularly interesting. You have Anthony Davis sort of playing and you have guys like not really knowing what to do with them. They're in New Orleans, and so the crowd is going to have to figure out whether to boo him or, or, or applaud him. Have you guys been watching this lately? I just want to know who's going to half-ass it more. Anthony Davis or your date tonight at Valentine's Day? Wow. There you go. I don't know if are I can you add to that. Yeah, are you looking at Paolo or are you looking at me? It's a rhetorical question for everyone listening to this podcast. Oh, uh, yeah, because I'm going to be watching House Hunters, guys, in addition to this game tonight, which is on at 5 p.m. Pacific on TNT. And remember, if you want to watch every NBA game, subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com or your local cable or satellite provider. Let's uh, let's take a quick break here and talk about uh, some some conspiracy theories with the Lakers, our favorite. 
This winter is a great time to check out Hotel Tonight. Whether you want to take a spontaneous ski trip or escape to a warm beach, Hotel Tonight makes it easy to book a room with one of their last-minute deals. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. That's how Hotel Tonight scores such incredible rates. They team up with awesome hotels to help them sell rooms and pass the savings along to you. And these aren't last resort type places. Hotel Tonight works with cool, top-rated hotels you actually want to stay at. Unlike other travel companies, you don't have to scroll through endless lists of hotels. Hotel Tonight shows you the best deals at great hotels, along with short profiles that have pictures and all the info you need. Even though their name is Hotel Tonight, they're not just for last-minute bookings. You can play things by ear or use Hotel Tonight to book in advance. And when you join Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better deals you get. To start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. State Farm has over 19,000 agents across the country. 19,000 is a huge number, but it's not really about the number. It's about having a real person who's nearby, someone you could talk to and get personalized help protecting what matters most. State Farm is the presenting sponsors of Bill Simmons' Trade Value Guide 2.0, which is live right now. Go check it out at theringer.com. Combining the purchase of your home and auto insurance is easy with the help of a real-life State Farm agent. Go to statefarm.com slash agent to find an agent today. All right, we're back. And we just talked about some news uh, around the NBA from last night. We're going to talk about the Lakers here. It's one of the teams that gets talked a lot about, but I think they've flown a little bit under the radar in terms of just like everything that's going on post-deadline. We've been excited about some East teams. The Lakers? Under under the radar? Well, I mean, like the AD thing is like taking over, but I think like there's some really big concerns about the actual existing product. I don't know. Maybe it's just my personal silo. But we do a lot of uh, sleuthing at TheRinger.com here. They do the uh, True Detective after, after show. So we're going to take a little spin off of that. We're going to do True Detective, the Flat Lakers. We're always trying to be Chris Ryan. <laughs> That's 100% true. But shout out <laughs> to Bobby Wagner, our producer for that name. So guys, who's to blame here? Who kidnapped Dora LeBron? <laughs> Jeez. Like that. Man. Oh, that's good. Okay, so we're just going to go over a couple of suspects uh, that we think could be the source of some of their woes this season. Uh, they're they're what they're they're two teams back of that a spot right yes. now. I think they're in tenth place. Um, it's the longest into the season LeBron has been under five hundred since mm-hmm. his rookie year. I believe that was a Mike Adams uh, uh, stat on Twitter. The first suspect, suspect number one, one Magic Johnson. I don't know if you've heard of this guy, but <laughs> recently in a one in like a five minute press conference, he dropped the following tidbits or or incited the following drama. Uh, he said the Pelicans didn't negotiate in good faith, which seems like it was true based on everything we've heard at this point. He leaked that Ben Simmons wanted to work out with him. For, wh- for what reason? I do not know. <laughs> Setting off yet another tampering investigation. I think we're at 10 this year. And he basically told his young teammates that he tried to trade all of them, almost literally all of them, and it lost Ivaka Zubac in, in the process. Shouts to him. He told them to suck it up. Children should laugh. that's true Paolo what do you think about Magic Johnson is he the one to blame here if I were like in one of those first take sports debate shows I would open with like the magic is gone oh yeah that's what I would open with but I'm not going to do that even though I just said Um, I think magic we're going to get into more of the the roster I know going forward in, in this segment but I think like everything that has happened since the season began has been 
a way to try to undo what they did in the offseason. It's like they prepared everything to get LeBron. They did. And then everything else they did is backfiring on them. And who else to blame in that case other than Magic and, you know, Rob Polinka, who we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just think Magic made a lot of bold proclamations. And Jackie McMullen was talking about this on a recent uh, podcast on ESPN. And Jackie obviously knows both Larry Bird and Magic Johnson really well. She did a uh, book with both of them. And I think even worked on that documentary a little bit. Uh, it was basically like, this is Magic not getting what he wants. And for a guy who's probably been successful at literally almost everything in his life, uh, just business and and then obviously in his NBA career, you could definitely tell like he's taking that approach that he can kind of just do whatever he wants and is not getting that. The league is pretty much like, nah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think I thought it was interesting when we went back and we looked at how he kind of promised that he'd get a marquee free agent around this time last year. His reasoning was, I'm Magic Johnson. Well, first of all, he's a Leo. Second of all, <laughs> Same, selling names and wow. history, I don't think has ever mattered as little as it does now in free agency. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, we see that by guys listing the Clippers and the Nets as places they'd want to go. Those are still big markets, but those teams don't have the history that the Knicks and the Lakers do. Well, yeah. I, I just think it's interesting like looking at what they've done. Even before he got there, their plan, if they had a plan, was basically just to rebuild, to to collect picks. But those picks haven't been very good. They haven't developed a lot of them. And ultimately, it's going to fall on like some of the top brass who was around for a lot of these guys. And I mean, I've said this before, but it could turn out, and it's looking pretty probable, that D'Angelo Russell is the best draft pick they had among some of these first-rounders. They made great picks. They they found good players. In terms of I'm, like Kuzma, um, for example, like... Uh, so Late obviously the first, they had yes. picks in the yeah picks in the Josh top, Hart, yeah Zubac right exactly they had picks in the top five you know a few times and they got you know Randall um, Russell Lonzo Ingram etc. Yep. Um, and I think it's been more about like you mentioned the development when those guys get there and I think that might be I wonder this is you know a little bit out of ignorance but I'm wondering how those two kind of philosophies contradict or how how they able to coexist in a team like the Lakers where you know that the goal eventually is to get a free agent and it was always to get LeBron and with the other side of the 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 team where you have to develop these young players and it feels like they weren't able to sort of do both at the same time well they also swung and missed on the on the other part of that which is getting guys around them sure their free agency this offseason was so bad outside of LeBron yeah and we laughed at it then but at this point, it's, I mean, reflecting on it, it was so bad. And there are players that they could have gotten in place of the signings. And really, when you look back at it, I, Rondo, like yep. they should have done Rondo. Everyone else, yeah. I don't think that they should have signed. Yeah, I mean, the way I rationalized it at the time, or at least attempted to figure out what they were doing, was that their shooters were going to come in-house. That Brandon Ingram, theoretically, is a three-point shooter. Right. That Kyle Kuzma is theoretically a three-point shooter. But Kuzma is like, I don't even think barely streaking 30. I don't even think they were expecting Kuzma to have this much influence on the offense. I mean, there's no way they could have been. He's probably, at times, their most consistent non-LeBron guy. Yeah, definitely. He has been for sure this season. And I think it's... It's low-hanging fruit at this point, but you're talking about a guy like Brooke Lopez. Yeah. Who was literally on a team last year, and they probably could have kept them, you know, like you said, instead of the, some of the other guys you they signed. And instead, he walks 
to Milwaukee and becomes like a lethal three-point shooter who would be amazing on this team. They just traded a young center who was being giving them val- valuable minutes in Zubac. And now they have to like figure out how to cope with Tyson, an aging Tyson Chandler and JaVale McGee, who's also inconsistent. Like they ran out of lineup against the Hawks. I think was LeBron at the five for a bit. And that might be something that they have to do because those other two guys can't be as consistent. The thing about Chandler and McGee though, at the same time is that they are not playing worse than we expected them to. This mm-hmm. is just who they are. It's yeah. like they, ex- they signed a bunch of people. Yeah. We all know who they are. We knew who Beasley was, Lance Stevenson was, and now nobody's surprised that it's not good enough. Yeah. I think that, uh- the center position, it seems to fit what they want to do overall. They want to run really fast. They want to get those like slender, like rim protector types. And I guess I could see the thinking there just because like you could find centers more easily than probably most other positions. But as we just discussed, like a lot of their like ball handler defense types over shooters has made no sense. And I, I just love this idea in, in the NBA and everything else. Just like little decisions you make ultimately have big effects like year or two down the road. Yeah. And we're seeing it now at the trade deadline where they had to get rid of some young guys and whatever you think about Sfi and, and Zubach, like I don't think they're going to be much, but there's something. They're yeah. like they're lottery lottery tickets. I mean, Zubach had a great game last night against the Suns. I think I don't I forgot his line exactly, but it was a very efficient game where he played a limited amount of minutes, like he did with the Lakers, and you know like filled up the stat sheet. So and they had to get rid of those guys to bring on Reggie Bullock and Mike Muscala, mm-hmm. both of whom I really like as players, and I think they'll be helpful. But like. I think it's telling that you have to really kind of get those guys in there midstream. Uh, and this kind of brings us to our suspect number two, which is Rob Palinka. And I do wonder, while everything seems to be trending toward agents running things in the NBA, there's a little bit more power. Or at the very least, it's more transparent power. We're seeing it filter out more into the public. And I think even in the past two years, even among media types, like the way like like everything runs is, is kind of through agencies. Uh, yeah, Rich Paul is given Woj the last two scoops. They're not even scoops. He's just told them like Anthony Davis is going to request a trade. Yeah. And so I wonder here if they've almost like they have so much experience in that sort of thing, basically muscling people to get their way, essentially, Mm -hmm. that maybe they're a little too heavy on that side and not as heavy on the experience and and some of the like the little things, the Sam Hinkie style things in order to get to the point where you can strike and you're not putting all your eggs in one free agency basket. I think there are also some like niceties and you have to have some manners among front office people. I'm serious. Like this agent mentality is not necessarily going along very well with that. And I think that the, you know, the pushback that we saw with the Pelicans and Anthony Davis and, you know, we heard a bunch of rumors that there are people around the league telling the Pelicans, don't let them do this to you. At the end of the day, the league it does not want it to trend this way. And the owners don't want it to trend this way. And usually when we say the league, we think of Adam Silver in an office with a bunch of, you know, cubicles, but it's not. It's the owners. The owners are his boss. You know what I mean? That they do not want this. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I I do think that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it that way where the way, you know, an agent operates maybe is because there aren't that many right now in the GM air like field, maybe does not jive well with, with that with that environment i do think to your point they it's about working those margins you know that you're talking about and those getting those i don't know maneuvering the cap in a way that is to your benefit like daryl Morey does all the time or like you said hinky finding those guys who you know you, you, that may turn into robert covington for example right? right and obviously this is all affected by the fact that they have to fast track their timeline with adding lebron and that creates a, a 
you know, stress on everything. But I do think there were things that he and, you know, like we said, Magic could have done to make this a more, you know, it because now without Davis, it, it's looking really bleak for the rest of the season at least. Right, yeah. And I think we've seen success with with agents turning into executives on the NBA personnel side. Obviously, Bob Myers is the, the sterling example of this. And maybe if like the Lakers had just drafted a little bit better, maybe if they didn't get Lonzo and maybe they had, I don't know, who would have come after him? Maybe a Donovan Mitchell or someone else. Yeah, with Darren Fox. Darren Fox would have been great. Then all of a sudden things are flipping completely differently. But you're right. I think it does feel like they're doing things a certain way and the league just like isn't really like willing to help them out there. And the tampering investigations are a big part of it. And basically yeah. the Spurs and now Dell Demps being like, we're not helping you is a really clear example of that. And also, like, I, I just want to point this out. Did anyone see Rob Palinka's latest metaphor? <laughs> yes. That he which used? one? <laughs> which one, yeah. Well, he had this one most recently, which was about a trolley car. And I guess the gist was he was with his fiance in San Francisco, and they were holding hands, and a bunch of people were coming on the trolley, and the takeaway, ultimately, and this is like a 500-word story that when, when written out, and I guess he had this at a recent press conference, but is basically that they face the challenge of, do we split apart because all of these people are coming at us? How many you people know, are on this fucking trolley? <laughs> <laughs> I, the craziest part is, I don't even think he was saying, like, this is a story about me. I think he was saying, this is just a man. Like this. Just oh, really? A, yeah, this is just a man. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. So did he say a man uh, and his fiance specifically? He uh, didn't, like, make her his wife? Is this like a commitment thing? Is this deeper than just... I mean... I think it's like in the face of adversity, you just have to stick together. No, no, it was... There are so many easier ways to say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... I'm than making up a trolley right story with a bunch of the most evil people San Francisco has. <laughs> yeah, right. Apparently, it was a, a pastor telling a story at a church. So it was like second-hand oh. anecdote here. There's a, a lot of... To a metaphor. Yeah. So Rob has a history of doing this, which at TheRinger.com, we we love and enjoy, and we want him to do more of it. I just want to do a brief recap of what he's done so far, and this is via, via uh, Silver Screen and Roll, which is a good SB Nation Lakers blog. He has compared young players learning how to be good around LeBron to a cat learning to run from a lion. Isn't that the opposite? Like, what are you supposed to do? I don't know. <laughs> they, they often interact in nature, so that makes sense. <laughs> <Sure>. KCP... <laughs> As bread from heaven. Where he, all bread comes from. Where yes. all bread from comes from. Uh, he actually read from The Alchemist, which was a book, because I think it was a certain thing where like Kobe had given it to him. Sure. And he saw LeBron reading it as well. So The Alchemist is actually, just a small aside, a really big NBA thing. When mm. I was doing the barber story, a story on NBA barbers, one of the barbers from Atlanta, Marcus Harvey, told me that he gives it to guys who are struggling, young guys in the league. Wow. The barber? Yes, and LeBron huh, reads all the time. LeBron gives it to people. It's like an exchange. It's like if NBA had a book club, this would be the book every month. <laughs> My barber never gave me a book. <laughs> wow, <laughs> what kind of barber are you? Going? Clearly not the best one. The only discussions I have with my barber, who changes all the time, because I just go to like one of these. That's why these chains. Well, You're not the, loyal. Yeah. Well, I tried to be loyal, but then he went to a different place. My guy mm. Giovanni. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name for a barber. It's a humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, just to wrap this up, Lonzo Ball as Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, Kobe as the as page- both of them <laughs> combined. He's an innovator. Uh, they Co- should do a commercial where Kuzma walks in. He's like, 
hello, I'm a Mac. And then Lonzo is like, <laughs> I'm hey, a PC. And I'm a PC. <laughs> Wouldn't that be more like like Lonzo and D'Angelo Russell? But I feel like I can yeah, be more yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. I do feel like group chat ultimately becomes Haley workshopping her tweets that we're going to see later yeah, in the day. Great, <laughs> but it's a good tweet. Call. Like three for five so far? Yeah. Pretty good, yeah. But, good shooting percentage. Uh, Kobe as the Beethoven Shakespeare of friendship, <laughs> which is insane. Kobe great. also as sugar in coffee and the young Lakers as Taylor Swift. But which Taylor Swift? Well, uh, so many different question. iterations Great question. of this woman. I think, think there also Pop have been Taylor so Swift? many different iterations of the Lakers young players. I think that's what he that's, was getting at. I think he was like, yeah. when Taylor Swift was just doing country, she like she didn't expand her horizons. I think that's what it was. So now, the Lakers currently are Taylor Swift, who's dating John Mayer. It was a dark time. Really? Yeah. Whereas before— Oh, they used to date. Or they are dating. No, she like they are the Taylor Swift who uh, was dating. Gotcha. And now they're the John Taylor Swift. Mayor's LeBron in this analogy? Is that what the Who's Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> That's all I care about. No, there it's not it's a mood. It's a mood. <laughs> okay, all right. I just <laughs> I, did Swift I try to get <laughs> in her self confidence when she was dating John Mayer yeah, yeah. are the current Lakers. Hmm. Before LeBron came, she sure. was dating Jake Gyllenhaal. Hmm. So, so was, I know everyone right. knows what that means, so just Okay. Well, I, I guess the the takeaway here is: Do we think Rob owns crystals, and if so, how many? <laughs> I think he owns edibles. I, <laughs> I don't know where he gets them. <laughs> All right, suspect, <laughs> suspect number three, uh, LeBron James. Obviously, uh, you know we've seen him on the court. Uh, what for five na- games now? After that groin injury, which was the longest absence he's had of his career, doesn't look right. Totally, the stats are still there. He's basically averaging a triple double over his past four games. Uh, but the three-point attempts are up. The free throws are down, which I think is a pretty telltale sign with him that he kind of settles for certain things. Uh, I also wonder like how much frustration is playing a part of this. Do we think LeBron is probably not giving as much as he could right now? Well, 100%, but I think it's strategic. I don't think it's yeah. necessarily out of frustration. Yeah, it's all, like it is with him, very calculated. Right. Nothing is not calculated with LeBron. He's not right. just doing this because he's frustrated. He's not resorting to completely passing. Yeah, but it is very noticeable, especially during that Hawks game where he had, he was on his way and I think he almost beat his in-game assist total. And, and like, I feel like that says something about what, the way he was playing where he was like, kind of like, all right, like tr- you would call this trying to get other guys involved, but it could also be sending a message to be like, mm-hmm. show me something, you know? And I think he also is feeling that thing I mentioned earlier where you've gone past the trade deadline, you've added some pieces, but what does it look like the rest of the way? Is it going to be worth it going 100% the rest of the way when you might end up with the eight seed and facing the Warriors? Right. But, yeah, I just wonder how much he's to blame for just like the whole AD pursuit. I mean, it seems like this thing was calculated from the start of the season, AD getting the same agent as him, and uh, it seems like that was the plan. And I, I, you know, to a certain extent, you got to wonder if if he's driving the Lakers putting their eggs in that one basket. Yeah, but I don't think that you can put that blame on him. It's like the kid running wild through Target. Their parent, at the end of the day, is supposed to be the one not letting them do that. Mm -hmm. And that is very much a front office. Just because he is this powerful person and he could have gone wherever he wanted to, doesn't mean that you should let him have control. If he comes in and he says, we've got this plan, he's going to force a trade, this will probably happen, or I can get Paul George, or I can get Choir. Whatever he's saying, I don't know that any of that is true, at the end of the day, if you're the front office, you have to say, okay, but what if this doesn't work? What are the pros and cons? What if this all falls apart? And so it's not necessarily his fault. I, mean, I don't think it's his fault. I, I, mean, don't think, I don't think you can put him to blame when there are there is 
there are literally an entire branch of positions that are supposed to build teams. Well, I wonder if what you're saying is, does this go all the way to the top? Does this go to Hoyt? Right? If we're following the true detective. Uh, oh, okay. I was like, have you not been watching? Nah. It's a really good season. It's just good, I'm not yeah. in the time. Just too much, too much, too much tape. tape. <laughs> too much crushing tape from Paolo watching these Hawks games. <laughs> Love the Hawks. Um, well, I bring this up just because I do wonder if suspect number four on our list, one genie bus, has to shoulder some blame here. Just because if we're saying the front office is, isn't kind of isn't qualified to be making some of these moves. And she hired them. She hired them and she kicked out her brother because her brother was doing a terrible job and like nobody's going to argue with that. Yeah, that she was, definitely should have kicked out her brother. They were doing awful. Um, they had pretty much just put all their money into the team of Faye Mozgov and Luol Deng basket, which probably... What a time. Which they're still feeling the effects from that. When we talk yeah. about like chain reactions, they had to stretch Deng and they had to trade D'Angelo Russell in order to get off team of Faye Mozgov's contract. I just wonder, man, um, I've never been a big fan of what the Lakers are doing. I thought when when Jerry Buss died and left the team over to his kids, I thought they, they were in a really perilous position because they really they were bred in this environment. But after like the patriarch falls, I do wonder, it's like the classic case of the kids trying to take over and like they yeah. haven't like gone through the struggles and they don't have the business yeah. savvy and they don't succession, have like, like the mind. Yeah, this is succession. We're just going to be a big HBO. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, just the, from the rumor mill, I mean, Stephen A had this. I don't even know if it's a report. I can't even really yeah, categorize like, what, what Stephen is, A is saying. But I he, can't <laughs> differentiate like what he's heard, what but he's heard in his mind. It's a declaration. Think of yes, it like that. but he pushed allegedly, allegedly, allegedly uh, Magic to draft Lonzo Ball. I mean, who did? Genie. Oh, well, yeah. Of course. I mean, yeah. Owners often have a heavy hand in that. I think it's interesting. That's to not unusual. Figure out to kind of parse out. No, it's not unusual. It's not unusual, it, but, it but in the context of the fact that, like, it's, I, I, I think the report was that Magic wanted or liked De'Aaron Fox a little more, and they wanted Lonzo oh. more to like sell to the fans because Lonzo's obviously a guy who was, from, was more of a celebrity Missouri, coming yeah. out yeah, of. From yeah. I mean, that, and that's what I was going to say. It's interesting to parse out what everybody's motivations are in this scenario. Obviously, everybody will publicly say we want to win. We're the Lakers. Mm-hmm. We're, we want to get back to those days. But you know, within that, there are probably factions of interest, like. The business standpoint of things, the the fan base standpoint of things, and just the the ego standpoint of this, with where you know who doesn't want to be. I mean, it would be almost too perfect of a story to have Magic Johnson come and save the Lakers and then return them back to glory. You know, there's just like a lot of these factors that I'm not sure are jiving with each other right now. Yeah, just look up at the makeup of their entire organization. You, your team president is Magic Johnson, perhaps one of the best players in NBA history. Obviously, a Laker for life, all that other stuff. Uh, your GM is Kobe's agent. Right. And your coach is a former Laker great. Well, Luke Wong. <laughs> what do we call him? Yeah, a former Laker... Uh, Good role medium, player. Medium. Role player. Right. And I do think that's interesting. Mark Stein had this report earlier in January that... Genie is backing Luke in this whole push and pull between is he a good coach? Is he the right coach? And you also wonder about the timing here because Luke was here long before LeBron. And did he predate Magic too? I think he might have. I think he might have as well. So we have a lot of like competing factions and they all go straight to the top at Genie is the one who's kind of making a lot of the decisions. Well, I also think if you look at it, the entire organization, like you were just saying, there are two people in that organization who have a lot of experience. LeBron yeah, and Jeannie. It's a great point. Everyone else is like a first-time hire. Yeah. Luke Walton, new coach. Magic Johnson, Rob Palenka, 
first time doing a running front a front office. office. Yeah. All these young Lakers who have not been in the playoffs before. Yeah. They're the only two with experience in that entire organization. Yeah. I'm going to make like a local, a very local comparison here, but uh, USC football was, is very much similar because they, their leadership from the top down has been very poor, you know, through all these years where they've had a bunch of coaches or whatever. And for the, for this, this latest era, after Pete Carroll left, it's just been hiring anybody who's even re- semi-related with the glory days of USC or just semi-related with the program. And it's all been about like the program itself, but it, it, they haven't been like self-aware enough to look outside and look, look, look outside for other hires, but also like look inside and see like, where's the problem? And it's like the leadership from the top down. It's not good. And I think there's some similarity maybe there. Obviously like Nini is, you know, she's, going to own this team because you know her, her father owned it and all that and i don't know if it's everything on her but it is interesting to see like you said how many of these tentacles if you will are all related in a way but also probably not on the same page i think that this, that's the same story as the minnesota timberwolves front office and organization overall has had the last i don't even know how i guess in t- since glenn took it over there was a good story I'll, I'll like tweet it out after this when we tweet this out. But there was a really good story I read when they hired uh, Saunders that was like Minnesota just loves Minnesota's own and they love the narrative yeah. and they love the good feeling of it all. And the thing is, is like for so long, that's what kept them in the shitter. Mm-hmm. You know, they they had these coaches and um, people who used to play for them and they were just recycling through the organization. And really, when they let go of Sam Mitchell... And decided to hire someone who they thought was a powerful coach and who come in and shake stuff up. That was the first time that you had some indication in a very long time that yeah. they weren't just going to be, and this is what the article said, like, quote unquote, Minnesota nice. Mm. And just keep going with the generations that hadn't yeah. proved anything successful. Well, think about it this way, too. You have that, that what we're talking about, this organizational I don't know if I want to call it dysfunction, but it's 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 new and old at the same time. And then you're adding the organism that is the LeBron camp to this, and I think that's where it gets maybe even too crazy to even right because he's in a place where he doesn't have time for growth. Yeah, this organization is one that's clearly set up for growth. Like we just said, everyone is new in their positions. Yeah, but you're inserting him, and this is a guy who needs to win right now. And so the idea was that you're going to insert him, and then you're going to put pieces around him that can also help him win right now. Yeah. Because although he signed this long contract, he's not, he can't wait. And it already kind of seems from the way he's playing, he knows that this is a throwaway year, which we all kind of knew going in that he, he signed a long-term deal. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. The Lakers don't have to prove something to him. He's kind of in it with them. Right. At the same time, I cannot believe that we are having a throwaway LeBron year when we watched him yeah. do what he had to do the first half of the season. Well, that brings us to our, our last suspect here. Suspect number five, Luke Walton. How much is he to blame just for not organizing these guys well enough. It's tough because like he's in a weird spot where like we've already mentioned, he wasn't given the best pieces to work with. I mean, he was given LeBron James, so there's that. But around LeBron, they weren't the best pieces to work with. But at the same time, he's made some very questionable like lineup decisions and just rotation decisions. And and it seems like he's trying to figure out the identity of the team as much as the players are at the as as they're going along, like kind of like Haley said, this is a situation where growth is needed, where where where, where you need patience. And now with LeBron, that eliminates that. But a lot of these guys are still young, yeah, exactly. and they're figuring this stuff out. And but when we say they've that, been we hurt to, too. We have to pile in Luke to that 
when you say that. Sure. He is still young. He's still figuring yeah. this out too. But he was put in this position to coach a guy who's been in the finals the past how many years and is, expects to go back the same there. draft class as him. Same draft <laughs> class as him. It's, Luke is the Mario Chalmers of this team. Listen, if we're if we're sticking with the the true detective theme, like are we? time is a, yeah, well we definitely are. We're way too deep in it now. Uh, time is a flat circle, and it seems like every time LeBron gets to a new team, there's a young coach waiting for him that may or may not be ready. Yeah. And the difference between Eric Spolstra and David Blatt is that Eric Spolstra was a Heat lifer, and he and had he was the backed. He was backed by the ownership 100 percent and by Pat Riley in particular, and, and he, he stayed and he thrived. Yeah. I don't know what to make of Luke, but it seems like everybody from the top down is saying that Luke's our guy. Rob Palenka came out and was like, he's the leader. And Jeannie Buss, who I think is like, as we just discussed, maybe the only opinion that matters. She said that like the expectation based on the Stein report is that he, that she would back him. You know, I will say the one difference between Jeannie and the other situations that we've talked about USC, although I'm not as familiar with that and Minnesota is that Jeannie Buss is very much the kind of person who will change everything. I yeah. don't think she has that. Fe- she fucking fired her brother. I don't think she has yeah. a fear of this isn't working. Right. And I have LeBron James for the next however many years. And so when I pinpoint what's not working and decide that it can't change, I'm going to let go of it. Right. And I think that that probably will end up being Luke Walton first. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's almost inevitable that in the offseason, like I can already picture it like Lakers squeaking to the playoffs be by the Warriors then it's like all right we need a reset we need free agency and then we need to change going into next year and the change will be Luke Walton is the the collateral damage yeah if they don't make it I would imagine they'd make a change and I think it's interesting that the guy that's being brought up as the potential replacement based on a Rick Buecher report I believe it was as Jason Kidd and just like it follows a pattern where David Black goes down he wasn't like LeBron's guy and they get Ty Lue in there the guy who's already an assistant coach but a guy that LeBron clearly liked and Jason Kidd they were on Team USA together uh, and I do wonder if it ultimately just falls and defaults to that and like listen if you're not going to get Anthony Davis if you're going to have to fall back on a B-level free agent this summer like, might as well keep LeBron happy, get his guy in there. Because I don't know, I haven't seen enough from Luke that, like, shows me that. But um, just to wrap it up here, is there any suspect on the board <laughs> that we're not considering that we should? Yeah, we totally should have brought up Rich Paul. Because, I mean, he sure. plays in with, yeah. you know, if, yeah, if LeBron I assume did present we were this putting giant LeBron, plan. Yeah. Right, if, if LeBron did present this giant plan at the beginning of the season, Rich Paul also plays into that by saying, yeah, and I talk to Anthony Davis all the time because I'm his agent. So I know that he's in on this. I know that we could make this happen. He's very much has to be a part of this equation for the Lakers to be in this situation. I mean, I remember when it happened, when the Monday morning thing happened and, you know, Rich Paul told Woj, like, Davis is, you know, asking for a trade. I thought it was kind of genius in a way because it was putting pressure on the Lakers to make the move now and and make it work and make it happen. But now that it's backfired, comes back on him and it's like, okay, so now what do you do? You know, now there, it was a risk taken and the backup plan, I don't even know what that is. And I'm sure they probably do, but it, um, until we see it come to fruition, it's going to be a weird sense around that partnership. It was really ballsy and I respect it and I'm not even against yeah. it. But when you're forcing someone's hand like that and it's with two powerful players like LeBron and Anthony Davis. And if it is Anthony Davis to New Orleans, that is everything. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure that there's no alternative that this isn't going to work out. Or Mo Wagner is pulling the strings behind. (laughs) 
and he's the one to blame. Sure. Guys, case closed. We did it. There you go. All right, that's it for the Ringer NBA show. Uh, We will talk to you next week, I believe, which would be the restart of the NBA calendar. For Paulo, for Haley, for Justin, that's me, and then Bobby. Happy Valentine's Day. Basketball is very good. Basketball is very good.